success is the same for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who has an optimized daily experience that's sustainable over time is successful. So that's the same for everyone. What that looks like depends on your purpose. It depends on what emotions you want to feel, what emotions you don't want to feel. And so that we we refer to that as a desired end state. Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks, and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose, and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. Welcome back to Amplify. In today's episode, I sit down with Larry Yatch, who is an elite leadership strategist and the creator of the SEAL Team Leaders SEAL Success Programs, which are a collection of skills-based trainings, workshops, and courses that enable high performers to find fulfillment, connect with their teams, and make a sustainable impact in their field. A graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and former 10-year officer in the Navy SEALs, Larry has spent nearly a decade since his retirement as a trainer and speaker, helping senior executives to optimize their personal growth and leadership strategy for superior performance. In addition to numerous military honors, Larry is recognized as the go-to expert in leadership development, team performance, and project management. In this episode, we talk about so many things from SEAL training to mindset, to managing your state, to connecting back into your body, to healthy masculinity, to success, and so much more. I think you are going to love this conversation. All right. I'm here with my friend, Larry, and we have such an awesome conversation coming up. I'm super, super excited for this. Larry, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're going to share so much inspiration and like amazing wisdom with the, the audience. So thank you for joining us. Oh, it's my honor. Glad to be here. Thank you. So, okay. So as you know, we start every episode with some rapid fire questions. So we're just going to get right into them. So number one, what is something that you are grateful for right now? Uh, I'd say this opportunity to connect with you and your audience. I mean, it just, for me to be able to expand my reach through other means is, is amazing. And to be able to have this opportunity is huge. Awesome. Thank you. And what would you say is a guilty pleasure of yours, whether or not you feel guilt around it, but, but you know what I mean? Uh, I, my guilty pleasure is activities that can kill me. 
<laughs> yes, adrenaline junkie. Yes, exactly. What, <laughs> what's a random fact that not many people know about you? My sole animal is a blue whale. Ooh, okay. Why? Follow up to the rapid fire. <laughs> okay, so we we stopped rapid fire. I mean, we're, we're yeah. You know what? Free for all. We we go where we want. <laughs> I'm curious though now. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, we had there's in our business we we optimize teams right for organizations mm-hmm. and there's all sorts of different character trait assessments all of those things and I've never found much use in any of them. Uh, my wife and business partner found this woman that will tell you your soul animal. So you just send her a picture of you. She doesn't know your name, doesn't know anything about you. And she identifies your soul animal. And it was, I of course thought this was crazy to begin with. And then we've done enough. Like we bought it for our entire team. She is so damn accurate that we've started using this in our organization as a means to present uh, businesses with character assessments for people that can actually coordinate action because like you have all those ones where it's like ISTJ and all these different yeah, yeah, yeah. things that no one ever remembers what the hell it means. But when you know you're a blue whale, like you don't forget that. And I can tell you what every one of my team is. So for a blue yeah. whale, big animal, the largest land, largest land animal on the earth, uh, momentum. Like when I'm moving, it's very hard to stop me. And I love to go extremely deep on anything, right? Okay. I don't know how to stay on the surface. And so yeah. those are some of the big traits for a uh, blue whale. Very cool. I like that. Thank you. Thank you for going off the track of, of rapid fire and sharing Your that. Show. That's really cool. You're the I'm boss. Like, so now I'm like, what's mine? Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you weren't doing what you do now, which I know, obviously we have so many entrepreneurs and just leaders on this show. So you've created that dream life for yourself. But if you weren't doing this, what kind of job or career would you have? I'd be a professional sailor. Okay, cool. Yep. Water, water themes, we, which yep. we'll get into Out more. in the ocean. <laughs> Any weird talents or special skills? So, I, have, I mean, I know you've got tons of crazy I've got skills. tons and tons of these weird talents and special skills. Uh, I am an expert knife thrower. Cool. I'm really good on a slack line. I can okay. throw knives while standing on a slack line. How about okay. that? Okay. That's Very my cool. Very cool. When you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? A Navy SEAL. Badass. All right. Awesome. Check across that off Check. the list. <laughs> when, when's the last time that you cried? Well, that was last Thursday. Okay. All right. And how about the last time you laughed so hard? Like you just like lost it. Like I laughed so hard. I cried. Sure. Yes. <laughs> last night. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite meal? My fi- meat of any form. Yes. Okay. Okay. And favorite travel destination or your next travel destination? We're doing an RV trip with my oldest son for his birthday. So we'll be going around national parks in Utah. Very cool. RVing is the thing to do these days. As so many of my friends ditched their houses and got RVs and have been just traveling the world. It's very cool. That's super exciting. So, okay. Rapid fire done and dusted. (laughs) So I would thank you for playing along with me with that. I would love for you to share your like, you know, couple minute story. Like how did you get to where you are now from like Navy SEALs to performance coaching and, and what you're doing in your business today? 
So I, I'll start at the beginning. I saw Top Gun when I was in third grade and decided I was going to be a fighter pilot. So it, my journey started with Tom Cruise. Yep, so that was cool. it. And then I found out that the coolest fighter pilots went to the Naval Academy. So by the middle of third grade, I was dead set on going to the Naval Academy and being a fighter pilot. Wow. And I started working on it at that point, like literally that, that afternoon, I was like, okay, let's start, let's get, get this done. And then in seventh grade, I found a book called the men with green faces, which was a Vietnam era seal book. And by the end of the book, I was convinced that fighter pilots were pansies and I needed to be a Navy seal. Problem was I was a little skinny dorky kid that got picked on my whole life. Yeah, I would have been voted least likely to be a Navy SEAL out of high school. I was five foot two, 107 pounds. It, if it wow. had a ball or a team, I was useless at it. Like, it definitely not Navy SEAL material, but I did get into the Naval Academy. I went there for four years and w- got stronger and bigger and worked really hard and got a chance to go to SEAL training when I graduated and spent what was 10 years as a SEAL from 1998 Mm. to 2008. So I was an officer in the teams and I was responsible for the Middle East. So I had a very, very busy time. It was was quite a challenging time. I got uh, severely injured uh, two times and eventually Mm. had a surgery go really bad, a back surgery that went bad. And the surgeon came in and told me my SEAL career was over uh, in 2007. And so I went through all together, been through 14 surgeries wow. uh, to get put back together. And they said I wouldn't walk without a cane yet. I'm jumping out of airplanes still. So, you know, mind over matter on that one and yeah. laying in the hospital bed with a, no, my whole purpose from the time as a little kid was to be a seal. And mm-hmm. when that got taken away from me, I didn't have much else. It was actually my wife and business partner, Annie, that at the time we were just uh, engaged and she saw me as more than just a weapon. Like for Mm -hmm. me, that's all I ever, you know, my whole world was destruction and Mm -hmm. protection. And she saw me as a leader and through that leader, my form of that is through teaching. And so she presented the opportunity that if we came together, she has a master's in international security and anti-terrorism. So she was in the intelligence field. Uh, she said, if we can come together, we can continue to protect the country, but do it through education mm. instead of being on the front lines. And so that was the start of my entrepreneurial journey into a hospital in Bethesda, Naval Hospital, hospital bed in 2007. So wow. I've run, we've started and run four different companies over the last 14 years. And for the last seven years, uh, we've built a, a consulting company that focuses on team optimization. So Mm -hmm. I believe to the core of my being that our success in life is determined by our ability to coordinate action with others. And that's what a team does. And so we bring light and love into this world through teaching people how to coordinate action. And it's a hell of a lot better than death and destruction. So uh, it's been quite the journey. That's, that is incredible. And so there's so many things that you said that I want to dig into a little bit more. So when you were, when you were young, like you said, this skinny, like not confident kid that would get picked on and stuff. How did you, as like a teenager, how did you build your confidence? Cause it sounds like from a very young age, you were very focused for sure. So how did, how did you strengthen your confidence and belief in yourself? 
the uh, the first piece of it was in about fourth grade, third grade, where the bullying was really bad. I learned that uh, reacting reacting to the bullies was what they wanted, mm-hmm. and so my first I'd say the first switch that flipped was uh, zero concern for what other people think, right? Mm -hmm. For me, other people generally just thought bad things, you know, Mm -hmm. things that weren't supportive. And so I became a hundred percent internally motivated. And then that really then created a fire to prove to myself that everything everyone said wasn't true. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't so much, the act of building confidence, but the act of proving to myself that I could do more than what people said. And that drive led to a habit of, of growth, of, of testing myself and being able to suffer, which ultimately was a a needed skill for my future career. Yeah. Do you, how has that, you know, cause, cause I can definitely relate and I'm sure so many people listening can relate to that whole, like prove people wrong motivation. So how has that shifted over time? Like what, what do you feel is, is your big motivation now? Where does that come from? I actually think there's an evolution. So what you just said was prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. That's I think the base level and that's yeah. has the least power. Yes. Uh, I moved past that into prove to myself right? So about third grade, I stopped caring what someone else said. And I only, I had to prove to myself that I was good. And that'll take you to another level. So if you're still proved, trying, having to prove to someone else, that's the least amount of power you can, you can yeah, produce. Because you're giving them your power. Yep. Exactly. You give them the, the, your purpose. Therefore, even if you are successful, you can't feel fulfilled. So first, first evolution is to could be proved to yourself. And then Ultimately, the last evolution I made, which I think is the most powerful, is instead of trying to prove to myself uh, my worth, uh, it's being able to serve others. And when I focus on serving others, to me, uh, that came in the form of honor, right? Being in the military, one of the it's one of the few organizations left that actually has a concept of honor. Mm-hmm. And honor is living to a code of behavior in which the good of the group comes before the good of the individual. And that was where I evolved past my own concerns into putting the concerns of others in front of mine. And ultimately, that's how I had to live as a SEAL, because I was willing to sacrifice my life for people I had never met or didn't even know. Yeah, it's incredible, incredible. I know you mentioned before that you had several, several crazy surgeries, injuries, all that kind of stuff. And, and the last one that ended your career and was supposed to quote unquote, and, you know, being able to walk without a cane and all that kind of stuff. Like, how did you go about reclaiming your identity after losing your future as, as a seal? Cause I'm sure that was not an easy process, right? Being one of the top, like elite humans in the world at what you do and that, and being like, so at the top of your game doing that and then not having that out as an option anymore. It's yeah. The, the biggest hit was the, the loss of the team. Okay. Right. That, that was the biggest hit. Uh, I'd given every, I was willing to give everything to the team, right? My life, uh, I was spent 300 days a year away from home. Uh, the majority of those days I spent in peril, like bad situations, training was as riskier than, than real world missions. And in order to do that, you have to 
you have to not care about your own well-being. You have to not care about your body. You have to not experience emotions uh, that will slow you down. So there's a big separation between of self that has to occur to do this job well. And uh, part of what you fill that, if you make that separation, there's a void. Part of, I think, how many of us fill the void is with the team, right? Being so dedicated to the team and having such a strong bond to that team. And when I was injured and not useful to the team anymore, uh, it was all gone, right? There's mm-hmm. no support. There's no team. There's no, uh, I think the loss of the team was a bigger hit than the loss of purpose. Yeah. And so How- that was hard. <laughs> Very yeah. hard. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I, the like closest thing I can uh, connect with from my own life from that is when I, I decided not to play soccer in college, right? Like I had been such a, like an accomplished competitive soccer player for my entire life and then decided not to play in college. And I'm like, wait, no, people don't know me as like superstar athlete sort of thing. And I'm like, wait, like what? Like, so that identity shift and that whole loss of, of team component, it, it can be, can really rock you. And so just thinking about the, at the level you were at, like, I, I cannot imagine. So what, what helped you to yeah, regain that sense of team, obviously like starting your business. And I know what you said about, about your wife supporting you in that was really, really beautiful. Like what, what really helped to bring you back into that, that zone? I'd say the, the biggest piece was the opportunity to serve and protect others again. And so my initial businesses were based around protecting others. Uh, first company, one of my expertises was technical surveillance and human intelligence. And so started a consulting company where we would solve complex surveillance problems with producing products and then teaching people how to use it. So I got to kind of be in the outskirts of the old world, being able to produce products, train them. We would run some operations as well. So that was kind of the, the segue, whereas you know, I got a little bit of the taste of, of the old world. And then the second business that we ran and built up pretty big was personal safety and self-defense. So teaching people how to identify threats in the world and avoid them and Mm. be able to protect themselves and those they love from evil forces, if you will. And so that was an easy one, right? Because I basically got to do the same thing I was doing, but instead of doing it, being the one protecting people, I was teaching someone how to protect themselves, which I actually found more fulfilling because, yeah. you know, it's like teach them to fish or give them a fish. You know, yeah. I, I can only protect so many people, but when I start changing the way people see their world, they're going to be safe for the rest of their life and model that behavior for their children. Mm-hmm. So I think it was in, like we said earlier, honor, right? Putting the good of others in front of my own good, instead of worrying about my loss, worrying about my pain and suffering that I was in, being able to focus on others, joy, fulfillment, safety. I think that's what enabled me to, to do that transition. Yeah. Incredible. What are some of the like core leadership principles that you learn as a seal that you have used or that you use now in your business in seal team leaders? There's other three. I'll give you, these would be the three biggest ones. These are the ones that I was so surprised for me, I knew nothing but military, right? High school, straight mm-hmm. into a military college and then straight into the military. And I was at the Naval Academy, which is an elite school. And then I went to the SEALs, which is an elite program. 
So I got spoiled being around really good people, like high functioning, the highest yes. functioning people in the world were the people that's everyone. And yeah. so and I you get go out. back into the real world and you're oh, like, God. wait, who, what are you doing? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, it was just the base, the fundamentals of holding or making a commitment, holding a responsibility. If I asked the, one of my SEALs to do something, they did it hundred percent of the time. Like, yes. I mean, it would maybe 0.1% of the time someone would mess up maybe. And most of the time they did above and beyond what the standard was. Like if I said mm -hmm. do three, they usually did five and they came up with a new way to do it easier. Like that was just normal. Yeah. I get into this building where I, I build my first company, my first team. I can't get someone to take the garbage out <laughs> after they say they will like, Hey, we have a big group coming in. You make sure the garbage out on Thursday. Yeah, sure. No problem. They wouldn't do it. And it, why didn't you do that? I forgot. How, how do you forget or better yet? Like, Oh, the dumpster was locked. Well, did you ask for a key? Did you even tell me? No, this didn't do it. Like it was, if you could get someone to do half of what they said they were going to do, that was a win. It just wow. blew my mind. Yeah. So these, uh, these are kind of the core principles that I just took for granted that people don't do. And, and, and we, we work with, billion dollar companies. Like we mm -hmm. work with big companies and small companies and individuals, right? The full range. But I've worked with companies that are valued over a billion dollars and they don't know this either. This is what blows me away. So the first thing is the, we didn't get as a seal. They never told us what to do. They told us why we were doing something and then left it up to us to figure out what to do and how to do it. And in the civilian world, no one, no one asks, knows, or cares about why they just mm -hmm. want to know what to do. And if they're lower performed, they just, just tell me how to do it. They don't even care what they're doing. And so that'd be the first one, the, the power of why Simon Sinek yes. said it the same yep. way. It was backwards, right? Like the, start with why. Yeah. Start with why. And it's the same thing. The why doesn't change the strategies, which are the what's and the tactics, the how's they change all the time. So there's unbelievable power in understanding why. And if someone tasks you with doing something, you don't understand why you're doing it. That's your fault. Like you're, you failed at that point. It's your responsibility to know. So that's the first one. The next one is that the civilian world has leadership and management backwards. Mm. In the civilian world, everyone aspires to be a leader and a leader is the visionary in the front kind of saying, follow me. And the manager is a necessary evil that we need to have to fulfill the leader's desires. And that's mm -hmm. backwards. In the, mm. the teams, I wasn't a leader. My job was to be the manager. So I was an officer, meaning I'd rank. And I had SEALs that were enlisted that were under my rank. So if I would go in and try and lead SEALs that had 10 years more experience than I did, they would beat me up behind the, the berm like that because it was dangerous. My job is to manage them as leaders. My job is to build leaders all around me. Mm. If I have to actually lead, I'm failing. And so if I actually have to do something, something's gone really wrong. So we think about it backwards. You should aspire to manage, which is build, grow, and, and support leaders. That's, that's the greatest gift that you can give yes. the world, not being the visionary leader in the front with people that follow you. So that's a, that, that can change everything when you, you change your perspective around leading and management. Mm -hmm. And the last one is the power of teams. 
like we can't survive on this planet alone. We would die. I mean, we'd last a couple of days if you couldn't coordinate with other people. Our success in life is determined by our ability to coordinate action with others. That, that means that if you want, if you're not experiencing the life you want or the success you want, you don't have the right people around you. You're on the wrong team. Your team isn't functioning at a high enough level. There is nothing else. Like the most fundamental thing in life is to be able to coordinate action well. So that's, again, not focused on because we have this in kind of individualistic, you know, society or culture that values individual, which is good, but the, the rugged individual is going to die. Give me mm -hmm. a team any day over a valuable individual. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I love all of that. So then how is the training that you do when you come into a business or you work with individuals, how is that different than typical leadership training or success training that is that most people would, would jump into or hire somebody for these days? I'd say the biggest thing is we do everything backwards. Like we do it opposite of how everyone else does stuff yeah. based on the fact that most people are basing their leadership development and team work off of the civilian world. So they're taking what I believe are fundamentally flawed fundamentals and optimizing fundamentally flawed op fundamentals, mm. right? When was the last per last time you saw a book on management, right? It's always leadership. And it's yeah. always individual leadership. What can I do to lead better? Which is the wrong question to be mm -hmm. asking. How do I make others lead better? Yes. Right. That's the right question. That's how we, we create big difference. And so fundamentally, we do it all backwards. Uh, on top of that, like we start in the core of the organization as opposed to at the top. Uh, the other big piece is we're always focusing on behavior. Right. And we don't we believe any behavior can be changed at a cost. Right? Some behaviors are too costly to change, but there's no behavior you can't influence. Yeah. Very cool. And OK, so I want to back up a little bit to uh, seal seal training and that kind of stuff. What what were some of like the craziest training exercises and things that you guys went through as seals? So there's basic training, which is referred to as BUDS. So basic mm -hmm. underwater demolition seal training. And that's the first six and a half months of training. Just to give you a perspective, we, there's about 3000 candidates that ended up in my class of 135. So they, they called 3000 down to 135. Wow. Six months later, 11 of those graduated. Wow. So we had 90% attrition. 90% of the people that started did not finish with the same class and over 75% didn't finish at all. And of those 75% that didn't finish 90% quit, meaning mm -hmm. they chose to stop moving forward. Uh, when I was going through training, we were averaging one death a year in basic training. So that's a one in 350 chance of dying. If you say, yes, I want to try this. Holy so just cow. think of those odds. Like imagine if you were, every time you got in your car, you had a one in 350 chance to die. That means you die once a year getting in yeah. your car. Yeah. And you have hey, to you say, want this yeah, job? I'm, I'm you might die. Do. Yeah. Now when we get, that's just dying. Uh, we had, we had a guy get a flesh eating bacteria the third, uh, fourth night of hell week. And they, he lost complete use of his left hand for the rest of his life. We had another guy fall from 60 feet in the air onto the sand, 
break his pelvis, both legs, uh, ribs. He'll never walk well again. Right. We had a boat get toppled onto rocks of that boat. One guy graduated. The other five were injured too bad to continue. Like that's just basic training. That's just training. Yeah. For six months. And that's the first six months of two and a half years of basic training. Wow. And it just gets harder and more dangerous. And then you get to a team and that's where it really gets hard. That's where, when you're, you're doing training, you have live rounds, uh, you know, gunfire going off explosions all around you. You know, I've had helicopters shoot mini guns at me by accident, a mm-hmm. 10 shoot a five inch rocket, 30, 30 yards away. It has a 50 yard kill radius. I've had helicopters fly me to the ground, helicopters catch on fire, boats sink. I mean, that's just in training. That's not even in war. Yeah. So oh it's every day you're a couple minutes from losing your life. Like that's just yeah. the world you live in. Shit. Like even, even just that with, I mean, I'd like, I, I know, and I think people know that SEAL training is no joke, but I don't <laughs> think I knew that like it was that, like that many casualties, injuries, that sort of thing, just in the training phase. And like my, my dad and both brothers were Marines. My younger brother was a recon Marine. Um, I've actually interviewed a good friend of mine who, um, was an army ranger, like special ops ranger. His episode will be coming out in a, in a few weeks and stuff, but like, woo, yeah, it's, that is some insane shit. So with that, like, are there any exercises obviously not like the physical ones and that kind of stuff but any exercises that you pulled into the training that you do or modified like you're like oh this seal training exercise whatever like we can package this up for what we do in your coaching and consulting i would say uh, it's more the philosophies of the training than it is the actual stuff because they wouldn't let me bring machine guns into most businesses of course (laughs) it's not not good for the office space yeah (laughs) yeah they don't let me blow stuff up anymore legally you know it's we got some restrictions but uh the there's a couple philosophies so one of the philosophies that is an absolutely core philosophy is your ability to self-regulate mentally physically and emotionally determines your performance if you can self-regulate at a high level, you can perform at a high level. If you can't self-regulate at a high level, you cannot perform at a high level. It's impossible. And so we've built some really strong courses of instruction around development of self-regulation because the same part of the brain controls mental, physical, and emotional self-regulation. So being able to leverage that neuroscience to increase physical self-regulation that helps you emotionally and mentally Mm -hmm. as well. So that's one of the big pieces of philosophies. The other big philosophy is my, my distinction for power is the ability to influence change. So when you have a lot of power, you can influence a lot of change. If you have no power, you can't influence any change. And Mm -hmm. as a human being, there's a formula for that. And that's learn practice experience. And we used to call it, crawl, walk, run. So every training block that we did, we would stop, start crawling. So how do we do this like a baby, super slow and super safe? And then how do we walk at this? And then how do we do this at full speed? And so we've translated that same thing into every way we train anything, every course, every class, every exercise is based on that 
identity that as a human being, you produce power, you produce ability to influence change by learning, gaining knowledge, practicing, developing skill and gaining experience to have confidence in that skill. And so that becomes a formula for design. Very, yeah, fascinating. So with self-regulation, that the way that I'm understanding that, obviously you said physiologically, mentally, emotionally, all of that, that's really what it sounds like. And what I think my, the audience will understand this as is really like becoming a master of your state, right? A master of your energy and and that all starts in in your thoughts, right? Or you tell me how you what you think. Yeah, so uh, I don't believe we can control our energetic state, mm-hmm. our frequency. Uh, I believe that our our ability to influence our mental, physical, and emotional states builds into the state that we show up in the world, our frequency, if you will. I don't know what word you want to use, but from, you know, from fear and guilt on the low end to love and connection on the top end. So I believe that how we show up mentally, physically, and emotionally then determines how the world experiences us, which is then the frequency we're at. Yes. So becoming a master at, at, at being able to be mentally, physically, and emotionally centered gives you the ability to be at the high frequencies. If you, if the world can bump you off of your center mentally, physically, or emotionally, you can't achieve those higher frequencies mm-hmm. for the world to experience. Yeah. I, I love that. So can you give us an example of like during your time as a seal, like when maybe it was one of those like missions or s- scenarios where like it was, I mean, shit, like I know you've had so many literally life or death situations that you've been in, but where like that self-regulation was the key to the success of the mission or like the literally survival of you and your team. I would love to hear kind of that process and and situation. So uh, this, the re- the answer to your question is every moment of every day, it was a requirement, right? Like there is not one point where my ability to control my mental, physical, and emotional state wasn't absolute, was, wasn't the only thing that mattered yeah. uh, as a, so I can take this, two directions that you might, you'll probably find both, you may find both interesting, but you know, one direction is, is more about the, it's an interesting one where it's, it was what I had to do to be a successful of that. And also what caused my biggest trauma and, and need for healing after mm-hmm. that's one way we can go. The other way is around the specifics of oh, a specific scenario. So you tell me which one you'd rather hear. Well, shit, I'm going to want to hear about both. Go both? Okay. <laughs> so uh, let's go with the, the real life, the scenario yeah, we'll situation and then oh, yeah. the like healing and stuff. Cause I've absolutely got questions about that. Okay. So this was actually in training and this will tie to something we, we talked about earlier. Uh, I, there wasn't one that, the concept of quitting wasn't part of my makeup. Right. Like it, it, it wasn't an option. I was going to be a seal or be dead or die. They may kill yeah. me, but that's, that's fine. And there were many times in training that I was willing with every, every ounce of my being for my heart to explode. So the pain would stop. So just to think of like, that's the mindset at any moment, like in that moment, I, all I had to do is step out and say, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And it would have been blankets and nice, but in my head, I was trying to have my heart, blow up just so I would stop feeling the pain they were putting me through. But that's the mindset, right? 
there's death or BACL. There's no quitting. But there was a time, it was two weeks from graduation. So six months have gone by. We're almost done. And we're out in San Clemente Island in the last phase of training. And I was about a week from being absolutely finished. And it was the first time I just didn't want to be there. Like, I didn't want to quit. I wasn't thinking I'm going to quit, but I was just, I'd lost my motivation. I lost my drive. I was just done. And what they had done was, I'll shorten this because it's quite the story. What they had done, it was April, early April in Southern California. It's 75 miles off the coast. And it was 45 degrees, 41. Mm -hmm. It was two, one o'clock in the morning the first time. So they take us out into a big concrete parking lot. And because someone had done something wrong and we had to strip naked. So pile all our clothes in a big pile in the center. And then we had to lay on the concrete naked in a cross, like a cross position, head to toe. And they misted us with a fire hose for 10, 15, 20 minutes on the concrete, just having the concrete suck any warmth you had and the, the hose mm-hmm. just over you the whole time. Then they'd say, okay, you've got two minutes to get your socks on. So everyone would have to get up, find their socks in the pile, put on the socks, go lay down, get sprayed again. If you made two minutes, you'd lay there for another five minutes. And then they'd say, so get your underwear on or get your pants on. And at some point you wouldn't make the time. So then mm-hmm. you would have to run 300 yards down a rocky dirt road to the ocean, jump in the ocean, roll in the sand, run up 200 yards up the rocky road, and then strip naked, lay down again and start over again. So we did that for two hours. And eventually we got dressed and they like, okay, go back to prepping for our swim the next day. Then about 45 minutes later, they came back saying, Hey, someone screwed up again. And it started all over again. So now it's three in the morning. We're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we were about, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour into this again. And I'm running down to the water and I've got one sock on. That's it. Running down to go jump in the ocean. And I was just done. Like I just didn't want to do this anymore. And I was just feeling bad for myself. And I saw Seaman Andrews, who's part of my broker, running up. And he had no socks on. And every time he would run, he would leave bloody footprints in the, mm. in the trail. And I looked at him and smiled and gave him a high five, smacked his naked butt, like, hey, we got this. <laughs> and in that moment, when I stopped focusing on myself and started focusing on those around me, I had instant energy. And Mm -hmm. that's what I believe honor gives you, right? Putting the group before yourself, you tap into the universe, God, whatever you you believe, and you have infinite energy. I mean, Mm -hmm. after working nonstop, probably and slept for three days at that point and being worked to another place, as soon as I started focusing out, I had instant power. And so that was, that was a huge turning point for me. That's amazing. Yeah. And that it's so interesting that that kind of the one moment that you're like, F this, get me out of here. It's like right when you're at the end of it. And, and yeah, and just speaks to the power of when you show up in service, no matter what you do, like, so everybody listening, like when you show up in service from your zone of genius and you're here to help people and like, you know, give, give people more of what they're looking for or eliminate pain from someone's life. Like so much happens. And it's such exactly like you were saying, Larry, like such a, an energy source for you when you step outside of, of yourself and then in helping someone else, you're going to achieve your stuff easier and it's going to feel so good. So yeah, that's, I, I really love that. And like, even just like, as, as you were saying that, like I'm, I'm over here, like getting emotional and stuff because 
I think, and we'll talk about this in a second, because I do want to hear that other example you were going to share. Like there one, just men like you, women, women who go into the military and stuff like that, men and women, like it's such a huge freaking deal. And I think in our culture today, like we've, so many people have lost sight of what a huge sacrifice and like responsibility that is. So just like shit, honoring you for like doing that and, and being such a powerful leader and building more leader leaders, because I think we are facing like a masculinity crisis in our country. And so coming from a place of grounded, healthy, masculine is really incredible to see. So, so yeah. So, so thank you for that and for You're sharing. Welcome. Are you a growing entrepreneur looking for more visibility? Do you want to stand out as the authority and expert that you are? Do you want more leads, more dream clients coming to you asking about how they can work with you? Do you want to sell out your programs and have a stacked wait list? Are you finally ready to scale your business and create more results with less effort? Then you need the PR Accelerator, a hybrid program where we will teach you or somebody on your team how to do your own public relations, how to secure more podcast interviews, more media features, more speaking gigs, more collaborations, and ultimately more authoritative visibility so that you can scale your influence, your impact, and your income with ease. To learn more, visit laurensalon.com slash PR dash accelerator. That's laurensalon.com slash PR dash accelerator. But yeah, I would love to hear the the example you were talking about that kind of led to one of your biggest breaking breaking points, as I'm understanding it, and what kind of required like tons of tons of healing for you. So the the original question was around managing where, your state, right? Yeah. yeah, managing your state, and and how was that important in the job? And and what I realized, and this has taken, this is relatively new realizations for me, I'd say in the last couple of years, okay. um, the, in order to do the job that I had to do, I had to completely separate myself from my physical being and yeah. my emotional being. So, and I don't mean repress emotions. I mean, completely sever the tie. Yeah. And the reason being is it was risky right? Like to feel fear would cause me to make a, to take too much time or make the wrong choice and others would die that I'm responsible for. Mm -hmm. If I felt pain, then I may not take an action that was necessary to keep my team alive. And Mm -hmm. so I had to use self-regulation to completely sever that connection to those two parts of me. And our, I I talk about as being a God of war. So a God of war is someone that does not feel emotional emotions and does not feel pain and solely survives on the mental front, enabling them to be a hundred percent present in the world's worst environments, making Mm -hmm. the right choices in those moments. Massive compartmentalization. Yeah, it is. And, and what I realized is it's impossible for a human to, completely sever those ties between emotions and physical. It's just putting it all in a nasty box in the corner. Or it's like, I I think about, about it as every time I, I did not feel fear. Every time I did not feel anxiety or concern, I was just taking a break and putting it in a backpack 
somewhere. Yeah. Yep. And carrying that stuff around. And they, the, uh, that worked really, really well in that environment. Like I was yes. very, very effective at my job and I would often do things that would appear not normal. Like, I mean, there's many times where I, I had pieces of shrapnel in my neck bleeding all over, but I didn't even know, like, mm. you know, bloods streaming down my side, no clue, like, cause it just didn't feel it. You know, I remember we were on in Tikrit, Saddam's hometown, uh, fighting there and there's mortars coming in and I, I pop my head out of the tent mortars coming in. I'm like, I can't do anything about the mortars. There's nowhere to go to be safe. I'm like, I'm just going to sleep. And I went to sleep. Like I can only imagine what other people were looking at. Like, I'm going to take a little nap. wrong with that guy? Yeah. <laughs> I'll relax a little bit. Like, yeah. It was just not, I didn't, I didn't feel fear. Right. I didn't yeah. care what happened to my body. And so it was very effective. Well, transition into a world where that isn't needed and you have a family, you know, someone that cares about you, kids, and what that person feels like is death, right? Because mm. that's literally what makes a human alive is emotions and physicality. And I didn't have access to that. Yeah. And so I look, look at pictures and it's just, you can see it's just death behind my eyes. Uh, for the first two years of my son's life, he would never sit in my lap, not because he could feel that, right? And it's been a humongous effort, you know, biggest battle of my life is fighting back to, to being a man of the heart, like being able to feel mm. physically and feel emotionally. And it's scary and difficult. Right. And yeah. a lot of times I'm like a little kid, I remember this happened about a year and a half ago. I was part, part of a, a skydiving team, a professional skydiving team. I guess I should say I was, and I had a jump. And I was getting ready to jump and I felt sick to my stomach and shaky. So I finished the jump and I call one of my, my friends, my kind of coach. And I'm like, it was weird. I was like feeling like I was going to throw up and I was shaking. And, and I was like, I think I got the flu. And he's like, no, that's fear. <laughs> like, you feel scared. Like what's wrong with me? You're like nervousness. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh that's what fear feels like. I don't like that. I was wow. like, I don't, like, I don't know if I want to jump again because I was jumping for fun, but I was exposing myself to significant risk. And what hit me, what made me sick was I was like, oh, shit, if I had the thought that I could, it's likely I could die on this jump with what we were doing and the boys would be alone. My boys would be alone mm. for the rest of their life. And I th suddenly got the flu. I'm like, why do I have the flu? I'm like, oh, no, that's fear. Uh, yeah. Uh, soon there, I was not that long after that. I was something really good had happened. I'm talking to the same guy. I'm like, okay, so this happened, this happened. And it's like, my stomach is upset and I'm shaky, but there's nothing bad. It's not bad. It's all good. He's like, oh, you're excited. I'm like, oh, that's excited. <laughs> I, I was like, a little it's, kid. It's I, like ran so, I know it's precious. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's been crazy. I was, I felt gratitude for the first time, like felt it in my body in a mm. restaurant. I started crying like in a restaurant, wow. just bawling. Yeah, it's weird. So that's been, the, that's been using my self-regulation to divorce those parts of me was necessary for survival. Right. And now I'm using it to try and build that connection back. And it's, yeah. it's not easy. So yeah, what has been the most effective for you in getting back connected with your body and your heart? Lots and lots of different tools. And yeah. 
I mean, it, the real answer to that is a whole lot of work. Like yeah. it's a lot of work. Like it's, yes. this isn't, this isn't something I'm playing around at. I mean, this is, I'm doing everything I can and every tool I can find. And if I find a tool that works, I hit it as hard as I can hit it just like I did in teal training until it doesn't work anymore. And then I find something else. And so it's been a, a huge ALA, right. What we, what that yeah. we share, the experience we share was the opening opening point for me. Uh, and that was the start. And then from personal development into work with different medicines. And then from that into now I'm using, I found a technology that, that helps heal the biome, you know, the gut biome to change mm. neurochemistry. So it's a permanent solution to these things. And each thing just builds on the next to be able to, 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 I believe, give me a second life, right? A second chance. Yeah. So, so yeah. So as everyone listening in, as Larry just mentioned, um, ALA, so I, you went through the program a, a few years before I did. It's, yeah, it's called about a year. As, about one yeah. Year. Yeah, Ascension yeah. Leadership Academy. And it is a very intensive, experiential, like emotional intelligence leadership training program. And I know for me, it was absolutely one of the most pivotal experiences and transformational experiences I have ever gone through and has absolutely been one of the biggest catalysts for all of my growth since then. Like, yes. How did you even decide to get step into that? Like, what was the the moment that you're like, okay, I need some freaking help. I need something like, okay, I'll try this. Cause I would imagine with your yeah. background and everything that like jumping into something like that, probably you weren't like, I it was on the top of my, I wasn't, I wasn't looking. Yeah. For you're probably like, no, what is this shit? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it was, uh, my life was miserable. I mean, we were, we were, very successful. Like people would look at us and say successful. We're successful in business. We're having massive impact on the people that we're working with. We were impact we were impacting at that time 20,000 people a year, easy wow. between the two companies. And yet I was absolutely miserable, just completely miserable. And mostly it was driving by the fact that I my experience of life was not good on a daily basis. And I could see how I was causing suffering to my family. And I didn't, I was willing to do anything, right? I, I go to any doctor, I talk to anyone about any of this stuff, and none of it worked. And my one of the guys, uh, I don't know if you know, Brooks Holland. Yeah, he was, he's yeah. been my coach the past year. He is, yeah, okay, one of my so, one on one coaches. I fucking uh, love Brooks. Okay, so uh, Brooks and I met our first day at the Naval Academy of July 1st, 1994. Like it was, I met, he's probably the first person I met when I got there and we've been friends ever since we Mm -hmm. went through SEAL training together. My first business was with him. We've been best men in each other's weddings. Like I've known this guy forever. And he had a really, he had some really traumatic stuff happen to him in his SEAL journey Mm -hmm. and his, his SEAL journey. And I had, been hoping to see chain, you know, help him through that for year, 10 years. And he called, it was, it would, it would have been after a week, second weekend, he called uh, on my birthday and, and I could, his voice was different, right? He was just, his voice was different. He said, uh, you know, Larry, you need, you need to do this. And I'm like, what is it? He said, it's ALA. I'm like, okay, well, you have to go to San Diego. Okay. I just said, okay, where do I sign up? I didn't even look into it. 
Yeah. And then I went to the website. This was early on, right? And the website had nothing. I'm like, okay. And he, <laughs> like, he kind of said it was like a business thing and leadership. Like he would have said leadership development. I'm like, okay. But he was different and he said to do it. So I just mm-hmm. signed up, paid that day, signed up and I showed up and I was like, he tricked me because <laughs> what is this, this is not a business. <laughs> this is not a business thing. Like the people that are here, not that's <laughs> this doesn't compute. And I remember walking into the, cl- the the room for the first time and they had to put all your stuff on the table. So I go over to the table and I turn around to go sit in the far back corner against the wall and look mean so no one will talk to me. And I remember, because that's what I do, right? Yeah. Go, go look mean so no one will talk to me. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't want to be here right now, but I'm here because of that behavior. So mm-hmm. if I, obviously I got to do something different. So at that moment, I remember stopping like midway like, I'm going to go sit in the front row next to two people I would never sit to. And I'm going to say hello to them. And, and if they, if I don't want to do it, I'm going to be the first one. And so I was like, first time they asked for someone to do something and I don't want to do it, I'm going to raise my hand. And, and that was the doorway for me. Cause then it changes. Cause I showed up like what I've been doing has got me where I don't want to be. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do the opposite. Very cool. That's yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. And yeah, I love that you're like, wait a second, what is this crap? Like this, yeah. All right, I trust you, but also like nah. Um, yeah, like and, and I can I can attest to like one of the like I said, one of the most um powerful experiences and and things that I've ever gone to. Absolutely. And so for you, I would love to hear a bit more about, so now like in day-to-day life, when it comes to self-regulation, that sort of thing, like what are some daily practices that maybe you do or that other people can do to become better at self-regulating, like in the normal civilian world? So that's, they're, they're actually, you're asking, you're asking two different questions. Oh, okay. Uh, one question is what could someone do to increase their self-regulation? I don't, right? Like I don't have to do anything on a daily basis to increase my self-regulation because I did my homework, right? I've got too much of it. If anything, there are things that I do on a daily basis to better my life. So that's, there's two different questions. I can answer either or both. Uh, Which one would you like me to answer? Um, I guess like some of the, well, well, both like some of those like kind of daily practices that support you where you're at and, and in this leadership role, and then what others can do, like some of those like beginner self-regulation things. So the, the, let's start with the easy ones is self-regulation for Mm -hmm. what do you need to do? So think of self-regulation, like a piggy bank in your brain. Okay. There's the size of your bank and how much money's in it. When it comes to self-regulation, our job is to constantly make our bank bigger Mm. and to make sure there's more money in it because you can have a big bank, but no money. Yeah. So the way that we make our bank bigger is to constantly stress our mental, physical and emotional selves, just like you would work out. Right. So when I stress myself mentally, physically and emotionally, when I have money in the bank energy, I make the bank a little bigger. The second thing is you got to control the amount of money in the bank. So we have to be careful not to waste our money. So how can we waste money? Um, Emotionally, this is a big one for a lot of people. Uh, Social media is designed to drain your self-regulation bank, right? Every time you look at social media or the news, you're giving, you're taking dollars out of your bank. 
Yeah. Eventually that bank is empty and you don't have the ability to self-regulate mentally, mm. physically, or emotionally. Uh, physical self-regulation, you know, getting enough sleep, eating. If you're, if you're having to, if you're hungry and tired, you're using self-regulation to keep working. And so that's uh, mental self-regulation, being able to make sure that you're not wasting your attention or your focus on things, right? Having notifications on your computer, every time a notification comes up and you shift your attention, you're, you're taking the dollar out of the bank and giving it up. Yeah. So those would be the big things. Stretch your bank when you have the money in the bank to do it and make sure you don't waste the money that mm. you got in the bank. So yeah. that's the kind of basic lesson in self-regulation. I love it. Very, very helpful. And yeah. And then what are, what are some of those like non-negotiables that you do in your life to sharpen, you know, to sharpen your, your skills. And one of the, the one that I'm working on the hardest right now is uh, my whole life. I connected suffering to success, meaning you have to suffer and work hard in order to produce success. And Mm -hmm. I got rewarded for that for very well rewarded for a very long time yet producing if that's the way you live which most of us that's what we've been trained right work hard and struggle today suffer today and someday it's going to pay off you can ask anyone is it easy to have success or do you have to work hard for it everyone's going to say work hard well that's not true right success can be easy you yes. you you it's your choice right make it hard or make it easy it's up to you And so being able to shift that mindset that success does not come through struggle, it it is, and I need to separate that. And so on a daily basis, I have a a, a mantra around breaking my need, my choice to struggle because I've chosen Mm. to struggle my whole life Yeah, and that's produced results, but it has also produced a life that I don't like that much. And so- Yeah, I I can relate to that in a lot of ways like that. Yeah, that negative pressure, right? Like, as such a motivator, and it it still, you know, works. And like what you're saying, like it also, for me, operating that way created a lot of stress and burnout and all that kind of stuff. So like great results, like it looked awesome on the outside, but I'm like, no, I'm like, so burnt out and tapped out and like, exhausted in my soul. Yeah, yeah, we combine we mess up because we've been taught that success equals accomplishments, Mm. but it isn't. An accomplishment is something that exists in the outside world. Success is something we feel. And so when we tie success to accomplishments, we produce the accomplishment, but don't feel successful because we'll just set, choose another accomplishment. And so separating those two and saying, if I can produce a feeling of success on a daily basis, the accomplishments are going to follow. So I need to focus on my daily experience and making that sustainable over time, not on an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's hard for many of us because we've learned that if I set the goal or the objective and I achieve it, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's how I'm supposed to feel successful. But if you struggle to that moment, then you've had a, a bad life up until that accomplishment, you experience the, uh, the accomplishment, the success for a minute, two minutes, then you set another one and you're back to struggle. So you live a life of struggle with little, little spikes of accomplishment yeah. every now and again, versus producing a life where you feel success every day and the accomplishments are sure to follow. Exactly. Yeah. When your worth, worth is anchored with yourself and not those external things. Absolutely. 
So what, so, so speaking of that kind of stuff and success accomplishments, like, because you guys at, in your business and SEAL team leaders, you guys are experts at helping people achieve success. So what would you, what's your definition of success? Success is an optimized daily experience, sustainable over time. Okay. And how do you, I've never thought of that before. First time you, you know, thanks for asking. Obviously that just, (laughs) how do you guide others in defining what success looks like for them? So success, success is the same for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who has an optimized daily experience that's sustainable over time is successful. So that's the same for everyone. What that looks like depends on your purpose it depends on what emotions you want to feel and what emotions you don't want to feel. And so that we were, we refer to that as a desired end state. So a desired end state is a description from a specific perspective of the emotional states I want to be in and the emotional states I want to avoid. The desired end state becomes the why that drives us to be able to produce success. What most of us are doing is trying to chase success by accomplishing what's and uh, that doesn't work. So it's, it goes back to what we talked about. You know, one of the principles we talked about of understanding why first, Mm -hmm. and then from Mm -hmm. there identifying how, and a why is always an emotional state is emotionally driven. Identifying that gives me the ability to then choose the right strategies and tactics to put it into place. Yeah, absolutely. So with, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier with just the state of masculinity in today's world and how it's almost this, this idea of masculinity and, and men being masculine is almost a, a bad thing, right? Like that's kind of the, the sentiment that's going around. And I absolutely disagree with that. And I think we need more men who are grounded in their healthy masculine, right? In leadership. What, what do you think of like the current state of like masculinity today? <laughs> so uh, I've, I have to answer that a couple of ways. So first, I have no idea of the state of masculinity in general, based on the fact okay. that I stopped watching any news, any, any pop, any news at all. 10 years ago, I have, okay. I spent zero time on social media because that for many years, I, what we were doing was, was the news. Like you yeah. go do something, you come back and it was on every news channel. And I remember doing a really big mission coming back and every channel had it completely wrong. And it was easy to see how that channel's leanings created the story that they're saying, which is hundred percent false. Wow. And at that point I'm like, wait a minute. So this is like watching a movie. This is entertainment. Wow. And entertainment for me should make me feel good, not bad. And the news always makes you feel bad. So I stopped paying attention to any of it. So I have no idea what, what's going on or what the general stays and you'd think oh this is could be like wouldn't that be dangerous not having any clue no hasn't impacted me at all yeah yep and so yeah everybody take note unplug from the freaking tv more yeah completely especially news unless (laughs) you want if watching the news makes you feel the way you want to feel angry and stressed like good i don't know why you want to feel that right but go ahead but knowing if too you don't that like there's feeling that don't don't consume the thing that is specifically designed just to make you feel those things. 
Exactly. Knowing that that's the intention behind it is ratings yep. and is, and guess what sells more and like gets more eyeballs is fear and like stress and all that kind of stuff, not the feel good stuff. So absolutely. Like, and I, I talk about this all the time being a media professional and knowing how news media PR, all that kind of stuff works. And just seeing like, even just in the last year, it's wild out there. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, so it's insane. And so if you're going to consume that stuff, knowing like not taking shit at face value, right? Knowing that no matter who's sharing it, they've got some sort of agenda or bias behind it. They need to, or they wouldn't exist. Yes. Right? That's, that's part of the, the, the piece. And so, uh, so that's the first answer. I have no idea what the state is, so I'm not happy nor sad with it. Um, okay. What I have seen in my own experience is, is like you said, I've seen some attack on masculinity. Yeah. And I've seen uh, some, I don't know, a rise of emasculate uh, or unmasculine men, which mm -hmm. I just don't get. Yeah. And what I've seen as a negative consequence to that is we both have masculine and feminine in, in us, right? We both Absolutely. do, both men and women. And what I've seen is women having to step into more masculinity to fill that gap. And mm -hmm. it generally makes them unhappy, right? Like mm -hmm. They can, but it takes them away from, you know, really, because neurochemically, as we age, we age, we, we mature differently with estrogen and, and testosterone and having to act in a way counter to the way that your brain is really made up creates a separation, which causes tiredness and pain and suffering. And so I think it's negative on both fronts. Yeah. And I, I think we need, I think both men and women need healthy masculine and feminine on both sides. So I'm not saying men should be masculine and women should be feminine, but I'm saying that I think the balance is off and, and I think it hurts both sides of the coin. I, I completely agree. And yeah, this is something I talk about a lot. Yes. Men and women, we all have masculine and feminine energy and the critical thing is one, yeah, not denying either one of those sides, but knowing how to move within them and knowing when, oh, you know what, maybe if I lean more into my masculine energy for this activity or for this, whatever it is, that's going to be more effective. Or, oh, if I like step back into my feminine more, that's going to be more effective for this situation, knowing how to play within both of them. What, and it takes how, practice. Like yes. that takes practice. And it's funny. One of the one of the superpowers that I have and that we leverage is language and, and precision in language. I, I think you probably notice, you know, you ask me a question, I give you very specific words. They're not, yes. I'm not beating around the bush. And that's from a lot of thought around precision language. And what I've noticed as a tool or been taught is there's different ways of talking or different language patterns to use to increase or decrease the masculine or feminine. And, and being able, that's one of the, the tools that I've been using to try and, okay, when I need to be more masculine, I need to change my, my, my patterns of speaking. Ooh. Could you give us a few examples for that? Like, if you're like, Ooh, I, I want to step more into my masculine. What are some of those maybe phrases or words, or I want to lean more into my feminine. I would love to so, hear yeah, that. The masculine, the masculine is easy, right? So that's uh, logic and solutions. Okay. Yes. Right. That's, that's the thing. And the feminine is all about creation. So creation is done through a vacuum. It isn't done through projection. So masculine is projection of solutions 
and and pushing right where the feminine is the pulling so yeah. if I, I was if I wanted to be more feminine in this conversation or wanted to pull it, I you would ask me you might ask me a question I I, I don't know you know what do you think or or mm, I'm not sure right that's going to draw you into being more projecting and then I can mm-hmm. use that energy and turn it back around so that's yeah. how I see it, right it's it's uh, it's a pulling or a pushing yes yes so. I know you said you're not super plugged into what's going on, like with pop culture, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And that you also have noticed a, you know, kind of a, a disparagement or something around like masculine men or the rise in um, the opposite of that. Like how, how do you think we go about as a society empowering or encouraging more men to step into their healthy masculine? I think it's, it's training, right? The only, we have, we have been taught how to do it. You know, I'm, I am a very masculine man because I was taught how to do it or conditioned into it throughout my, the experiences I had, you know, from not so much, I would say my dad provided a good example of strong masculine, like he, you know, high masculine was, I think he did a good job of setting that foundation. And then I I had the the opportunity to be at the Naval Academy that was just built on producing leaders in Mm -hmm. Naval leaders. I had a four credit class every semester on Naval, on leadership. Like it was part of what was taught. And then obviously you get into the SEALs, you're feminine. Like I had a chief who was, who, was much more feminine than it, it, he was probably hyper masculine in any environment, but for us, like he was on the other side, and it was weird to see. Like it was odd, yeah. you know. His way of being was just different than everyone else's, and so I just lived in a world where if you weren't strong masculine, you're going to get run over. And mm-hmm. so it's obvious that's obviously easy for me because I've been trained how to do that for a very long period of time. Uh, so I think the solution is it's, it's education, right? It, it yeah. has to be a, an education of practice, some mentorship, but there has to be ambition for it. And that's part of the problem with the demasculation of men is you take away their ambition when you put them into a feminine way of being because they aren't projecting. And so they don't mm-hmm. have a drive to change or get better or mm-hmm. learn or do it, do get this better. So it's, that's where I think it's, that's why I think it's very dangerous, right? If you completely emasculate a population, their ability to fix it goes away because there's no drive. Yep. And I I think we're seeing a lot of that in, in the world today. Absolutely. Yeah. I I really appreciate your perspective on this. It's very fascinating. Um, And I know that you have a a book coming out later in the year. Can you tell us a little bit more about, about the book? I'm, yeah, I'm super excited. It's uh, it's been an awesome process to be able to to go through uh, writing. I've been writing course content for years and years, so it was I think not as hard as so most people talk about writing a book being the hardest thing I ever did. This is one of the easiest things I ever. You're did. like, yo, <laughs> like, is he ever think I'm done? It up was, until now? <laughs> it's like, oh, I, all I got to do is take the stuff I've written for the last you know ten years and consolidate it. So uh, it was what I'm proud of is the ability to get out what are life changing lessons that I've only been able to get to the people that come into our organization and generally pay a decent amount of money for to be able to put it in a format that's going to be accessible to so many more people 
is really exciting. And what, what it's all, it's called how leadership actually works. And, mm. and when I was working with the company that helped me with this, I, the CEO I was coaching the CEO, the founder and the CEO, and in exchange said, Hey, we'll help you put a book together. And as we were talking through it, they were asking, what do people usually say? You know, what's the thing you hear over and over again when you, you, you teach? And I said, and what I hear all the time is, oh, that's how that actually works. Because it's like like honor or power or any of the self-regulation, the things that I was able to share today in very small sections, it works. And you're like, oh, yeah, I've always kind of knew what self-regulation was, but that's actually how it works. And so mm. that's what I put together, the, the actual steps to be able to produce leadership. And really, it should say how team teams actually work but that no one would get that it's yeah. really how to coordinate action uh, as an individual mm. uh, that needs teams and we cover the core pieces that i've found with every organization or every individual and in optimizing them is it starts with defining success you know being able to define that in a clear way then it comes down to teams what team do i need to be on to produce that success and every team is determined by the behavior that I have. My level of behavior determines the level of team I get to be on. My behavior is determined by self-regulation, which we talked about. If my ability to, to regulate mentally, physically, emotionally changes my behavior, which enables me to be on a better team, which enables me to produce success. And that becomes the core for the individual. And at that point, we turn outside and bring those four things to others through leadership. And once you can do that, then you need a plan. And so those are the six core chunks of really how we work with every company, every individual. And that's what the book's about. Amazing. And when is it, when does it come out? We're, uh, we're planning, the book is all done. We're doing, we're having to do all the backend stuff for the marketing side of it. So we're planning it in September, most likely, awesome. uh, so, you know, it'd be in the fall sometime. Uh, we we're, we're planning to launch the audiobooks going to be done sooner. So we're planning to launch that sooner uh, to be able to, to offer people access to the, the audiobook and pre-sales to the, the core book here, hopefully in a couple months, month or two. Amazing. Congratulations. Very, thank you. Very exciting. So, all right. So we're going to, I feel like I could keep asking you questions, but I, I know we're, <laughs> we're coming up on it. Um, so two, I think, yeah, two more questions for you. So something I ask everybody, all of our guests on the show is because obviously Amplify, it's about like, you know, owning your purpose and showing up in a big way in the world and making a difference in the world from your zone of genius, like your, your special sauce, your magic. So I would love to hear from you. What is like one key piece of advice, whether that's an action item, a quote, a thought, a question to ask yourself, for those who are listening, who are trying to stand out and just live a really unapologetically bold and aligned life of purpose? For the, for me, the best advice I can give anyone is uh, mind your language. Mm. Uh, be precise in what you say and, and say that precision in language will change your life. Uh, we're right. very, very, most people are very careless with the words that they use and that causes an inability to coordinate action. And as we know, that is how we have success. And when you start to be really precise with your language, you start to be able to be precise in your hearing of what people are saying. 
And when you start to really listen to the words that they're saying, you get, you get a window into their subconscious because most people are not, if you're not careful with your words, your subconscious is speaking for you. And when you can listen to that, you can do amazing things with people. Yes. Yes. Ooh, I like this one. This was, that was very good. I feel like I'm winning here. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm such a hype girl, such a hype girl. (laughs) That's part of my job. You are from doing a good job, but either way it feels good. Yeah. Well, good. I'm happy. No, I'm loving this. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think I mentioned before we recorded, I'm like this selfishly, like this podcast is so much for my heart and soul too. Like, yes, please. Um, so last thing, if people want to learn more about you, get connected with you, hire you, you know, all that kind of stuff, where can they learn more about you? Sealteamleaders.com I think is our, the, that's going to be the fundamental page. That's Mm -hmm. our base base page. You know, one of the one of the questions that I get asked the most often is, "I love everything you've said, but where do I start?" And the the place that we always direct everyone is fundamentally, you can't do anything in your life if you can't hold a responsibility or share that with someone else. And so we've yeah. built some pr- a really cool workshop for being able to give people the tools to accept responsibility well, hold it well, and pass it well. And so that's mm-hmm. really if, if anything I said you liked, uh, this workshop is going to blow your mind. So I think three, two hour sessions over a couple of weeks and it's, it's a, it's a game changer. So awesome. if anyone's interested, look that up, it, there'll be something on the site for somewhere yeah. on the site to be able to find that out. But that's where, that's where you should start. Very cool. Sealteamleaders.com. Check out the workshop and yeah, Larry, thank you so much for, joining me and chatting and sharing like so much wisdom with, with me and with the audience. This has been fascinating and um, very, very cool. And I know that everybody I'm sure listening in is like getting some massive insights and breakthroughs. So very much appreciate your time today. Appreciate your service, everything that you're doing in the world. And, and thank you for joining me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold, successful, and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world, please send them my way. And it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible. So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice and keep being you because the world needs more of your magic. Mm